glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is draft week. It's finally here. It's finally here. I cannot wait. We've got another great guest joining me and Dennis here today to talk about the NFL draft going heavy defense, as we all think that this draft is going to be heavy defense. And man, I cannot wait for it to start. This Thursday, we've got the first round. Uh, you know, as a Browns fan, I'm just... If, it's it's awesome, in all honesty, for once to be able to just enjoy the draft as a draft. Uh, you know, we obviously don't have a first-round pick as a Browns fan. We use that to trade for Odell Beckham Jr., so I'm just going to be able to watch it, watch all the storylines, everything unfold. I think this, is for me, is one of the most intriguing drafts that I can remember, as there's just so many players and so many quarterbacks that could completely flip this draft on its head. I cannot wait. I cannot I cannot begin to explain how excited I am for this draft. Just a few short sleeps away. It is going to be awesome. Before we get Dennis and our special guest on here, I want to talk a little bit about the draft storylines. So obviously many of you guys have seen there's a lot of talk now that Kyler Murray won't be going number one. I do think that has a little bit of smoke, though I would not be surprised if he doesn't go number one, but it's something I'm very interested to watch play out. Obviously if he goes, we'll need to see where Josh Rosen goes. That could completely throw this entire quarterback class in limbo, as if Josh Rosen is traded to a team that needs a quarterback, some of these quarterbacks may fall. Defense, defense, defense. This draft is going to be heavy defense. I would not be surprised if we barely see any offensive weapons go in the first round. I think day two and day three is going to be heavy with offensive weapons and defensive players. Again, that's why we have our special guest on here today to talk about defense. This is going to be a huge thing. If you play in IDP leagues, this is your draft right here. I know obviously a lot of defensive players go every year, but this first round is going to be full of defensive players and a lot of studs at all the defensive positions in this class. It's going to be fun to watch trades obviously we're gonna have all kinds of trades going on people trading back people trading up really interested to see how that works and i, I just can't wait guys it, it's gonna be awesome before we bring those guys on there i want to do a little bit of uh previews for the shows to come so obviously this is our last episode before the draft happens Dennis and I are going to get together on Saturday instead of we usually record on Thursday and or Friday, and that's why you guys see those episodes go up Friday or early Saturday mornings. We are going to wait until pretty much the draft is done, and then we're going to get on uh, real late Saturday night so that we can try and discuss everything that happens landing position-wise on all of the offensive guys um, and what we kind of think are quick reactions of them. That will get up. I will put that up as quick as possible, either really late Saturday night or very early Sunday morning. I know a lot of people will start their uh, rookie drafts, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. Most people don't start on Monday, but you could. Uh, But I know a lot of people will start their drafts sometime next week on Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even Thursday to give everybody a little bit of time to do their homework. So we will definitely get that up as quick as possible so you guys can get our takes, you know, right off the fresh off the draft on kind of what we think of those guys before anything really happens. Uh, So we just want I want to give you guys a heads up on that. I cannot wait 
to do that with him because obviously the draft will be over, which will be kind of depressing as well because there's been a lot of buildup to this draft. Uh, but we will be getting together Saturday night to do that. So look for that late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Uh, and we will have all of the talks on all of the players uh, of all the offensive side because that's, that's kind of our specialty there. Uh, so we'll have all those guys there for you. Without further ado, let's bring on Dennis and our special guest to talk about defense. Hello! And as always, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett with us today talking again about some more of the 2019 draft classes. We are just three days away from the start of the NFL draft for 2019. Dennis, how we doing? You excited? That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've come too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to keep our composure. Man, Thursday can't get here soon enough. I don't care about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't care about people complaining about free or paid content. I don't care about any of that. I just want to watch the picks get picked and then find somebody that will listen to me give my opinion. Yeah, I am right there with you. I cannot, I cannot wait for Thursday. It's uh, one of the drafts I'm, I've been most excited for for a long time. I can't, I, I really have no idea which way this draft is going to go. I feel like there's so many different ways it could go based on the way certain teams handle their first couple picks. So it, it's definitely going to be a fun draft to look at. And as I mentioned in the intro, uh, we have another special guest joining us today to talk about the IDPs. Me and Dennis both play in IDP leagues, but we are not at all experts in that part of fantasy. So Dennis reached out to someone and said, hey, you know, why don't we bring on an expert to kind of help us and help our listeners kind of understand the IDP part of this draft more since uh, me and you probably will not be able to give them that great of information. So we are bringing on Mr. Daryl Hollywood Winston. You can find him at DFF underscore DWIN on Twitter. He is the host of the IDP Edge Crushers podcast and a Debbie writer for the Dynasty Football Factory. Daryl, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, guys. How are you? Oh, you know, can't wait for Thursday. Oh, it's it's so close I can taste it. Yeah. Tastes good, too. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, Daryl, uh, every time we bring on a guest, we like to just get a little background on you, let our podcast listeners kind of get an idea of who we're bringing on today. So, how did you get started in the fantasy into fantasy football, and how did you become a fantasy analyst? I got started into fantasy football with a coworker 15, 16 years ago. He was drawing it all up on paper and the whole nine yards, getting scores from the USA Today and that, and I was hooked ever since. Um, as far as the writing goes, I just always kind of had a – I always kept scores for my leagues and notebooks and stuff and started writing up things for our own personal league. You know, when we do a draft, I do a little write-up on it, and it just took off from there, and I found a platform that would let me do it, and here we are. Why Hollywood? How'd you get the name Hollywood? <laughs> Well, you could thank my co-host uh, at Seahawks Dan for this. He's uh, he's the one that come up with the name. Pretty much him and uh, some guys on the IDP IDP Edge Crushers were a guest, and uh, they were talking about me being late for the show. So it just kind of evolved from there. All right, fashionably late. <laughs> yes. Very nice. So we uh, we brought you on, obviously, to talk about IDPs. How did you get started doing IDPs, and, and what do you like uh, so much about IDPs? Yeah, I started playing IDP about five, six years ago, I guess, and it was just your basic 
you know, one defensive lineman, one linebacker, one defensive back. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting because I always like the defensive side of the ball anyway. So the next year I advanced to a more a more advanced league where you had more than just three. You'd have five or six. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to try this. Uh, I seen where they had leagues where it was basically 11 on the other side too. So I tried one, and once I was hooked, man, that's pretty much all I play is dynasty leagues now. And they're big leagues. We're talking probably – Oh, you're probably looking at 16 teams, most of them, and you're probably looking at 40, 50 players deep at least. Wow. So that's uh, my kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and just recently, last year, I got into as crazy as it sounds, Devi IDP, which is that's a whole other animal right there. <laughs> yeah, I, would yeah. I haven't gotten into Devi yet, but I do, I do play in a, a 32 team league, and we start uh, what is it, two seven IDPs in that. Nice. Debbie, if you like college football, you'll you'll eventually make your way to Debbie. You'll love it, and it will help you in your other leagues, in your just your regular leagues. I just didn't really see the correlation until last year, but man, it's so much help. Uh, it makes perfect sense. I I can imagine playing Debbie. You're already looking at college players during the college season, as opposed to dynasty. Uh, we kind of wait for our season to get over, and then starting in January. You know, we start crushing the uh, the college players that are coming out. So I, I imagine Debbie does give you a little, you know, give you a couple steps ahead of the game there. Yeah, it sure does, and it'll open you because you're looking at the scores and stuff. You'll it'll open your eyes up to some players that maybe you didn't know or who didn't see. You'll be like, "Who's this kid?" And uh, sure enough, it'll it's very helpful, very helpful. Who who was your best Debbie discovery that you discovered in that fashion? You were watching somebody else, and you were like, hey, man, this dude's pretty good. I'm going to keep my eye on him, and you nabbed him. Oh, man, there's been there's been a few. I guess uh, for IDP-wise, I guess my favorite would have had to be in – I had a few. I had some good ones, so I don't know. <laughs> um, probably the one that uh, turned me on the most was – I started with Ed Oliver. Everybody knows who he is, and – Nick Bosa and those, the big stars. But I guess the one that uh, I kind of picked up most in Debbie last year was Sharif Miller. He had a really good year for Penn State. So Interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be uh, interested. We're Ohio State, State fans, so we, yeah. we've uh, been exposed to Sharif <laughs> Miller. Yeah, that's why the Nick Bosa hate's probably not going to go over well here in a minute. But, you know, I am interested <laughs> to hear what you have to say on him. <laughs> But uh, do you have a, a standard IDP scoring format? I know the leagues that me and Dennis are in, or at least the ones that we play in together, all of the scoring seems to be somewhat the same. So I'm interested as someone who plays in extreme extreme heavy IDP leagues like you were just talking about. Is there like a standard scoring format, or is it all kind of mixed around with different stuff? A little, Well, it's a little bit of both, actually. I mean, most of the leagues will score sacks and interceptions heavy, like six points for each or whatever. Um I guess most of them are pretty standard, but where I'm getting into now is the leagues that are position specific, like defensive tackles and stuff. So they're going to have, say, like on offense where tight ends have a premium, then defensive tackles will have a premium of their own because they just don't get the stats that the other players do. Gotcha. Yeah, I commission a 16-team league that has we start nine idp in that and we have i i call it balance scoring meaning right. my 
top defensive tackle should score as much as my pretty close to as much as my top defensive end and my t- top cornerback should score close to my top safety. So you can weight those, but you can tackle. So last year, 10 of our top 40 our scorers top- in that league were uh, defensive players. Yeah. Now a league that I run, I've ran it for oh, 15 plus years. It started out as offense only. We made the switch over to full IDP three, four years ago. And we've got it set up to where our defense scores just as much as offense. So case in point, uh, Darius Leonard finished fourth overall in our league last year in scoring. Wow. Yeah. So, and that's when we decided to make the switch. That's kind of where we wanted it to go. We wanted to be able for owners to build their team either way and still be competitive because we've got some guys, they go all defense. I've still got some that go heavy offense. And then there's a few of us, we just kind of mix and match and, it's a uh, it's really high scoring league. I'd say in the top fifty, we've probably got uh, close to twenty to twenty five or IDPs. Wow. Okay. So it's really it's really balanced. Yeah, Darius Leonard was ninth in the the private dicks league last season. Antoine Bethea, Jamal Adams, John Johnson, uh, all scored in the top twenty. Mm, yeah. Yep. Aaron Donald was a big one. He scored heavily in our league last year. Yeah, those are nice. And honestly, the guy that won the league, it was because he nailed his draft picks in the startup draft for the defensive players. Nice. Pat, he had Patrick Mahomes. Ooh. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> that never hurts. All right, so as I talked about, we are just technically, I guess, four days away from the start. I said three earlier because I don't know how to count. Uh, But we are four days away from the start (laughs) of the NFL draft, and this is going to be a very heavy defensive draft. I, You know, we've been talking throughout the past couple weeks, Dennis and I have, with multiple other guests on the offensive side of things. And realistically, I would imagine there's a realistic shot that there's only two to three offensive skill players drafted in the first round this year. I do think that this is going to be extremely heavy defensive, and that's why we wanted to bring you on here to kind of pick your brain for fantasy players on the IDP position. So we wanted to start at the edge rusher position. There's obviously a lot of big names here. Uh, We obviously know that you hate Nick Bosa, but you also have (laughs) Alan Sweat, Burns, Williams, Farrell, all these guys at the top of this class. Just kind of your thoughts on these guys, and then we'll, we'll let's save Bosa for last, since I feel like me and Dennis are going to have the biggest issue with him. So kind of just give us your thoughts on the edge-rushing <laughs> position overall and the guys that you're kind of targeting right now with your Debbie Leagues having seen these guys, the guys that you really uh, paid, have paid close attention to so far, uh, the guys we should be looking at uh, and where they go in the draft on Thursday. Right. Um, we kind of talked about this on my – IDP Edge Crushers pod, me and Dan, and we had a guest on there, so we were kind of in the same topic with Edge Crushers or Edge Rushers. Um, I've got Josh Allen as my top edge rusher. I just think he's the most complete package, considering the he did it against the SEC level of competition. That's big for me, and and he was consistent. Um, and I think he can play in any scheme three four four three. So I don't think you're losing nothing there. Um, my next guy was Montez Sweat. I got a little ire from my colleagues and some other people because they thought I should have Bosa up there. But I had Sweat, and he's another one that did it in the SEC. And he actually did it for two years for uh, Mississippi State. This heart thing is an issue now. Uh, I've seen it starting to drop his stock, if you believe the 
rumors or smoke screens or whatever in the draft, but he seems to be dropping. But early on, I'd seen him as going high as a top five pick, which I didn't think he was quite a top five pick. But in mock drafts and stuff, that's where I'd seen him going. I do believe he's good enough to be a top 10 pick and he'll be able to fit any system as well. He probably needs to beef up just a little bit, but other than that, you know, that's more or less nitpicking. At three, I had your all's guy, uh, Bosa. It's not that I hate on him. I just think he, his dedication to maybe stopping the run or whatever isn't there all the time. I think he's looking for the big hit, the big sack, the big play, which all of them do. And it's, it's more or less nitpicking with him, but I think he maybe takes a play off here and there. And for me, one th- I just couldn't get past him. I know he was hurt, so that's a little, and all of them do get hurt, but I, I had to take that in consideration too. So um, I don't know that he's a player that will fit both schemes as well as Allen and Sweatwood. So that kind of hurt him a little bit for me. And then four, I had uh, Kalan Farrell. I think he's a true 4-3 guy. I don't think you're going to want to put him out in space in a 3-4 or whatever. Um, but he's definitely a 4-3 guy. He's going to set the edge for you. He's going to stop the run for you. He's going to get after the quarterback and give you a good pass rush. And then at five, I had Rashawn Gary. I know my co-host and our guest kind of talked about it. They didn't like him as much as I did. I thought he was kind of misused at Michigan a little bit. And he was not really asked to rush the passer a whole lot. He was asked to eat up blocks for everybody else, for uh, Chase Winovich and Devin Bush and all those guys. So, Plus, he was hurt a little bit. So I think he healthy, he is a top five guy. So do you think Bosa, is he going to be a, a 4-3 end or a 3-4 outside linebacker? Do you, it, I, it sounds like you don't think he can really drop into coverage I would very well. Have him in a, I would rather have him in a 4-3 if it was me. I think if he's something like his brother, Joey, in San Diego, where they run that 4-3 scheme, I think he would excel better there. I don't, it's not that I don't think he can do it. I just think he's better set up for that scheme. I notice you have Brian Burns on here. He's the one that I really just – I just don't get it. I just – he's not on my radar. He's he's probably in my top ten, but I just can't do it with him. I don't know what it is. I just – he doesn't stop the run like you need to. Um He's a good pass rusher. I see him being more of a situational pass rusher, where yeah, the other like guys a on serving or something. Yeah, where the other guys, I think they all those guys you have listed, I think they stay on the field all three downs. I think Burns turns into more of a like a Tim Williams for the Ravens or uh, or a Kyler Fackrell, so to speak, for the Packers. You know, where they're just being used as a situational pass rusher, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as he's getting the sacks, but. Right. So do you think at 260 pounds, is Josh Allen, is he going to be able to drop into coverage if necessary? Or do you think he'll be deployed mostly as a a rush guy? I think he can. I mean, I think if they put him in, that's not what they're going to really truly ask him to do. Or actually any of these guys, edge rushers. I mean, that's why they are classified as an edge rusher, because their main goal is to get after the quarterback and and wreak havoc. Um, Of those, I think Allen can. I've being a fall fan, I've seen plenty of him, and he did actually pretty well at it at times. So um, I don't have a problem with him. So one of the things that troubled me about Bosa was I, I kind of felt like he let his teammates down last year. 
I didn't want to mention that because I, <laughs> I don't know. That's a stickler to me. So I just kind of not everybody feels the same way. So I just kind of didn't mention it. But you know, he I I live here in Columbus and. He's highly regarded as being a great teammate. And I guess I get the whole kind of can't miss opportunity for the NFL. But man, if you can play, play. It wasn't like it was a bowl game or something, which is kind of driving me nuts now. People sitting out bowl yeah, games. But yeah, that's I, another one that just... it's big business though now. And, and so I, I, I kind of get it. But I mean, how long before they just. You know, these top-tier guys, you know, play the preseason and then sit out the rest of the regular season when the, the stiff competition comes comes up. Yeah, I didn't like it when McCaffrey and Fournette, when they just, you know, we're going to set out the bowl game. I was like, oh, how, how can you, which I understand the injury and stuff and, and all that, you know, avoiding it, but how can you play all year and just leave your teammates hanging? Yeah, that that's still... Yeah, that's the, I, I get you had a core muscle injury, which I don't even know what that is anymore. Uh, I, I mean, I, granted, I don't really have what you would call "quote unquote" core <laughs> muscles. Um. <laughs> well, uh, let me let me be the opposite so. side of this real quick. Let me play devil's advocate on this because I'm on Bosa's side, and not just because uh, I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm actually on McCaffrey and Fournette's side as well. I think they would not have done that had the playoffs not been in place like they were, if that makes sense. The playoffs, in my opinion, have really kind of diminished bowl games all around. I do think that it's an awesome thing for players. You know, it's still a big deal if you can make it to a bowl game, especially if you're a team that hasn't gone or if you're, you know, the Rose Bowl still means, I think, a big thing to Big Ten Conference. I, I still take it as a big deal. And Ohio State went and played there this past year. I'll start with McCaffrey and Fournette. I think for them, if you really look at it the past couple years, I mean, just off the top of my head, I know Jake Butt and Jalen Smith, they completely killed their draft stock when they got hurt in meaningless bowl games. I mean, in the end, they were meaningless because they were not playing in the Final Four to make it to a national championship game. If that happens to McCaffrey and or Fournette, which we've already seen now, Fournette struggle with injuries in the NFL they possibly mm-hmm. drop their draft stock down even more, maybe not get drafted where they went. And then for the Nick Bosa thing, I would say it's the same thing. I mean, I I was disappointed as well. I was at the TCU game, so I saw how bad it looked. I don't know if that played over on TV as well. I know I know Dennis, I'm assuming I know you watched it. I don't know if you had if you were watching the game or not, Daryl, but I was at the game and when he went down and the way he was holding himself, everybody in the stands were like, Oh my god, we just lost our best player. When they told him that he couldn't come back until December, I honestly, before he even came out and said that he wasn't going to play anymore, I just kind of assumed that was what was going to happen. Because if you try and come back, um, just someone who is also very injury prone, not that I'm at all an elite athlete like these guys are, (laughs) but when you struggle with like core injuries or muscle injuries, a lot of times you come back and you think it's good and your body's compensating for it and you end up tearing something else or you make the injury even worse because you're not fully healed yet. So I kind of understood why he didn't come back. The Buckeyes at that point, you know, once they got blown out uh, by Purdue, they had no real no shot of making it into the playoffs. So why, again, why come back and play in what a lot of people now, especially in college football and the players seem to think are, are meaningless bowl games. Right. Well, I get that with Bosa, but see, he was kind of already hurt. He, you know, he had got hurt. Right. Fournette and McCaffrey were having stellar seasons and they just chose not to play the bowl game. Right. So for me, that's a little different. I mean, I think I'm a little old school. I think if you're healthy, you should be out there playing. 
I regardless. don't disagree with you. I don't. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, like All I right, said. So, go ahead, Dennis. Uh, I was going to move on to linebackers, but no. if you have more questions, no, no, I was just going to, I was going to just talk about that. But I, I, I'm, I'm with him. I do agree with it. I, I'm very old school as well. I just said I just, I, I see where they're coming from now because again, I do think if it was just the way that it used to be, where all these bowl games mattered, even though it was the national championship game, like I do remember. You know, a time where every bowl game was celebrated and it was awesome to watch. And now, really, I don't even think the Rose Bowl is as celebrated as it was before, now that we have the Final Four and all that stuff. And so that's my thing is I feel like they just look at it as it's just a a game of – it's almost like a – I don't want to say scrimmage or a practice, but it's just a game for fun at that point. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, they're going to get some cool swag and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. So why take the risk? You know, again, I'll just point out Jalen Smith, who was probably – I mean, I'll I'll ask you because you are the IDP guy. If I remember correctly, he was considered a top three pick when he was coming out of Notre Dame. And then he blows his knee out. In the game against Ohio State, for no reason. I mean, if he had not been on the field, he goes as a top three pick. And now, yeah, he's kind of bounced back now, but this is already what we're four years in, and he's now finally come becoming the player that we thought. And how much like millions of dollars he lost out just by playing in that meaningless game. So I think that's kind of their thought process on it. Process on. It. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I, I do kind of understand it because. You know, again, someone who doesn't have millions of dollars in his bank account, if I was told, hey, sit here and you're going to make millions or go out there and risk it and maybe lose millions, I'm going to sit on the bench and make my millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me the money! I'm just saying, man, money money talks. (laughs) Money talks for a lot of people. Well, the... (laughs) It does. Money does talk. And that's... I get it. I mean, you don't want to be late in your senior year and get hurt and and it be a serious injury and you have to miss part of your rookie year because you know those training camps and stuff like that those are otas those are crucial for rookies and uh you know it, every rep you can get is going to help you in the nfl so i get it but i just have a hard time when you're healthy and you say you know what I'm going to set this one out, boys. I just... <laughs> I got you. I got you. I just have a hard time with that. So, and I wonder how many NFL teams, front offices, they look at that. Well, well, he didn't play his bowl game with his team, or he's more self-conscious about money or whatever. I, I just wonder right. how they view and look at it. Well, I know for a fact that they did not look at it well. I, it was, I think it was last year, because I, I listened to sports radio talk all day long with my job. I kind of like am in and out all the time, so I almost have like I have my beats on all for like t- my full 10-hour shifts, and literally I'm listening to sports talk radio the whole time. And there was – I can't remember <laughs> who it was, but there was someone interviewing Christian McCaffrey last year, and he said that that was asked of him in almost every single interview because – I don't remember who it was, but someone, it was someone big sitting out again last year, and they kind of talked about how him and Leonard Fournette were the ones who really kind of started that whole thing. Nobody had ever really sat out before except for those two. And so they asked him about it, and he did. He said that a lot of teams, um, every, in all of his interviews, uh, that he did before Pro Day up leading up to the draft, they all asked him about that to get his frame of mind and his, you know, why he did what he did to see if it was all about the money or this and that. So I do think that teams look at it very much like you two do. Um, and like I said, I, I don't I don't want to say it's the right thing to do, but I do kind of understand their mentality on it because in, in a way they know their college careers are done. And like I said, it, for a lot of people now, 
those bowl games are kind of meaningless. So I understand it. I'm not saying I agree with it because I do agree with both of you. If you're healthy, you should be out on the field, but I do understand the mindset. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand it, but that's just I guess that's just where we are now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to linebackers. So if in IDP are we looking for outside linebackers? Are we looking for inside linebackers? Does a 4-3 scheme favor IDP points, or is a 3-4 better for IDP points? What, what, what say you? Mm. It really depends on your scoring. Um, if you, let's say, you score tackles really heavy, then you're going to look for the middle inside linebackers. That's what you're going to look for because they're going to get most of your tackles. If you're scoring heavy on sacks, then you're going to look at your edges, you know, your weak side and strong side, your outside linebackers. Um, for me, scheme doesn't matter as much on linebackers. Um, I think the scheme part affects more like your defensive linemen, like your ends, you know, like uh, Khalil Mack, for example. Everybody wants him as a defensive end because he's so good. Um, and that finding production at that spot is harder than it is at finding an outside linebacker. So naturally when he went, got switched back and then moved to Chicago and he's outside linebacker, kind of lessened his value a little bit. Okay. So in this draft, it, it there's not a, doesn't seem like there's a, a ton of linebackers. Uh, there's the, the edge guys that could be, they, Maybe they're transitioning from defensive end in college to stand-up linebacker in a 4-3. But the, the main guys are Devin White, Devin Bush, and Mac Wilson uh, on the inside. How, how do they stand up uh, as IDP candidates? Those are probably your top three in most rankings, most uh, breakdowns or whatever. Most people have White number one. And for a long time I did, but as I've kept watching Devin Bush more and more, and I watched, you know, Rashawn Gary and Winovich, he's slowly now past White for me. I would have Bush at one, White at two. I think Bush is more of your new age linebacker that the NFL is looking at. Teams like, I would love to see him on a defense like San Diego, where they're using all those defensive backs they've got boa and melvin ingram up front you could plug him in the middle and he would he would be a monster um i see white as more of your traditional old school thumper type not saying that he's he can't do everything else but he's more of that kind of a mold uh you're gonna probably plug him in the middle and just let him go eat whatever's coming his way um mac is not quite as good mac wilson's not quite as good as those two uh, I think he's uh, he doesn't have the overall game that they do. Of course, they you know they blew it out at the combine with their speed and jumping and all that stuff. So I think he's in that next tier back. Um, there is a few line, but it's not the greatest rookie linebacker group like we've had in the past. Even though this is a heavy defensive draft, um, but there is a few linebackers. Uh, Blake Cashman is one that a lot of people, after the combine, they're taking notice. I went and looked at his tape. He's pretty good. He's got some flaws. You know, he gets caught up at times. But most, you know, a lot of players will. They'll get caught up at traffic. It's how do you get off of it or and avoid all that. He does well. Um, 
you've got one I really like, and he was a snub at the combine, is Khalil Hodge of Buffalo. And this kid just flies everywhere. He needs his game needs to be a little more polished, and I think that would help him. But he has a high motor. He's sideline to sideline making plays, so he's more of a sleeper pick, I guess, for you. Do you think Wilson ends up being like a two-down thumper in that traditional kind of mold? <sighs> or is he going to be able to play on uh, all three downs? I think he can play all three downs. It's really going to depend on where he lands. And with most of these players, that's really what you're waiting on is to see where they land and how they're going to fit. Um but on the right team, yeah, I think he can play all three downs and be effective. Yeah, this is we talk about it all the time. This is probably one of the most landing spot dependent drafts in recent memory. Yeah, there's a few players in this draft that Oliver's one, um, White, Bush, those are two. Uh, I think Josh Allen's another one. Um, I even think Bosa's there, even though I don't have him quite as high. Sweat's high if his heart and stuff checks out. If they, I think those are players you could plug them into any scheme and they can do whatever you need them to do. So on, on Twitter lately, I've seen seen some buzz about uh, Ben Burr-Curvin out of Washington. Do you have an opinion on him? Very good, solid linebacker. Um, really disciplined, doesn't, you know, he's not getting himself out of, uh, out of position very often. Um, he's not as talented overall is like white bush um i'll put him right there with uh mac wilson i think i think he's in that next tier so some negative press that i've seen lately has been kind of thrown at uh trey lamar out of clemson what are your thoughts about him <sighs> he's okay from what i've seen I, I need to go back and watch a little more tape on him uh but from what i've seen when watching that front line with him, I wonder if that front line is doing him more of a favor or if he's really that good. That's that's why I question. Well, yeah, they're going to have, what, four, four defensive linemen picked in this draft? Yeah, and I'd, I'd say all Two or four, three of them in the first round? I wouldn't be surprised to see all four go in the first. That's crazy. I mean, the, yeah, they're, that's – it's a – it's rare you see something like that, and they're so interchangeable and can do everything. So it's kind of hard to grade players like Lamar because you have to wonder, with a front four that good, what are they taking up that is allowing him to do this, or is he really as good as he looks? So I've got a question for you on these linebackers real quick. Um, who do you see out of this linebacker class that could be this year's Darius Leonard? Because I feel like Leonard was not getting a lot of pub from a lot of people last year, and obviously – was a complete stud, not just the best rookie, but ended up being one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker this past year in the NFL. Do you see somebody in this class that may not be as good as him, but a lot of people are sleeping on that could end up being a rock-solid stud for fantasy and in the NFL? I think it's Khalil Hodge. I mean, that would be my candidate. I mean, if you look at his Buffalo tape, man, he is everywhere. He was, a, he was even a little bit better of a pass rusher than Khalil Mack when he was in Buffalo. So, I mean, he can, watching his tape, he is high motor. He flies everywhere. Um, he can get a little undisciplined at a time, and he has a little bit of false steps at times. But, man, he makes up for it with effort and everything else. I mean, he reads well. Uh, he's always, wherever the ball, he's like a heat-seeking missile. He's in there. So, I don't know that he'll be as good as Leonard, but if I had to gamble on who it might be, I think he would be, 
uh, my top pick. Yeah, that that would be something. Yeah, I I was at the game when uh, Ohio State played Buffalo and Mac was there. I mean, I just kept thinking, can't somebody block this guy? <laughs> Hodge can come in at basically the same position from the same school. Yes, and that, I mean, that would be had, something. He has something. I'd have to look back at the exact number, like four hundred and forty something tackles in his four years there. That's just absurd. And he did it in like three years, I think it is. Yeah, he put up monster numbers. Now they'll knock him because of the, he does play at Buffalo. So who does who does right. Buffalo really play? But yeah, he had uh, 419 tackles in three years. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was up there. So that's, that's ridiculous. You're basically <laughs> yeah, you're looking at only what, only five and a half sacks though. Yeah, yeah, he didn't have a whole lot of sacks, but he is a good pass rusher. I don't think they used him as that like they did Mac. He can get it done. I don't have any worries with him being a where he's going to play is going to be on the inside so you're it's not like you're asking him to rush every down so when you do ask him i think you're going to be fine because he's he's really fast flies around really good kid all right so moving on to the defensive backs uh, obviously the top at least top ranked cornerbacks that i've got on this list here are greedy murphy and baker and then the safeties thompson rap abram and thornhill do you think any of these guys make it into the first round and are these some of the guys that you really like or are there guys that we don't have in our list that you are high on i think greedy will make it into the first round um murphy might have an outside shot but i'm greedy's probably the main corner that has a shot at making it in um abrams i've seen some talk that he's starting to pick up steam around here lately so he could sneak into the back end of the first round. Um, I don't think you're going to see a lot of defensive backs. They're probably going to start coming off mostly in the second round. What is uh, What are your thoughts on Greedy Williams? Because I've seen uh, going into the year, at least into the combine, it looked like he was like poised to be the number one cornerback, no question about it. And then ever since the combine, I've seen a lot of people kind of knocking him on Twitter and NFL talk, all that stuff. It looks like he's kind of dropping down a little bit. And there's a lot of talk now that he might not even be the first cornerback taken. Uh, do you think he's the best cornerback in this class? No, I don't. Okay. Who, who, who do you <laughs> um, have as the best? I actually have um, I have him at number three, I think, on my list. Okay. If I can get this thing to pull up. Oh, no he's, he, he has been taking a hit lately. I I don't know. He, he's more of the, like a diva type, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he's really good coverage corner. I mean, he's going to make you plays. Uh, he's probably as close as maybe what we have in this draft as a pure shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done it against SEC competition, which is always good. If you're playing against them, you know, that's a, that's a big, um, that's a big notch for you. I think there's some questions about his tackling at times. Is he really committed to being a downhill? I have Murphy at one, and then I actually have Julian Love of Notre Dame at two, and then Greedy Williams. Wow. Okay. Why do you have? What's the? Well, why the love for Love? I think his versatility helps him a lot. He um, he can play corner or safety, and that may be a move for him to safety. And he excelled, I think, two years ago against Army. He had something like 14 tackles from the safety spot, which is huge. Um, <clears throat> he's got home run hitting ability. He can return gain. You know, interceptions, he's always looking to take it to the house. I think his 
overall game with his versatility puts him just ahead of greedy <clears throat> because he's not afraid to tackle. That's for me. That's one thing I look at is corners that want to tackle. If you've got a corner that'll want to tackle and not be scared of it or shy away from it, then they're going to do everything else pretty well too. Yeah. It's a, uh, it seems like that this defensive back class doesn't have a whole lot of elite talent, but it's got a whole big tier of really good guys. It does. There's, I guess, depending on who you're talking to and how, because everybody views everybody differently. Like I said, that's my top three, Murphy, Love, and Williams. But at four, I've got a kid, and people are going to think I'm crazy. Out of App State, his name is Clifton Duck. I'm telling you right now, this kid can flat play ball. I mean, he two or three years ago when we went to uh, – when they come to play Tennessee – he was yeah. all over the field, man. We couldn't do nothing with him. And uh, and he's just gotten better every year. I know he plays, like, again, he's at App State. Well, who do they play? But they've actually played some pretty good teams, and he has held his own. So um, really like him. Um, a lot of people were like this Rock Yassin of Temple. Yeah. Uh, come, I think it was Bethune-Cookman. No, Presbyterian, maybe, he come from. I question because he's only had one year of – top league ball at Temple. Right. Uh, but from way he's tested and from what I've seen, he's he's going to be really good. Uh, a lot of people like DeAndre Baker of Georgia. It's just kind of a mix and match right now because everybody's kind of different. Yeah, Chris Ford of Texas is another one. Rocky Sin kind of checks in a little bit like uh, Richard Sherman in that as he's tall. Yes. I don't, I don't think he's super fast. He's got good speed, but not super fast. Yeah. So looking at uh, Clifton Duck here, at 5'9", 175 is what he's listed on this thing I'm looking at. Do you think yeah, he's going to get pigeonholed as a slot guy, or will he be able to a little bit. I think handle the outside? Will, he can handle the outside. That's no problem. I I have seen it, watched his tape. He's not scared of the big receivers, even though he's kind of mismatched. He's, there's no back down from him. He'll go right at it. Um I don't see being that slot in this day and age. I don't see being that slot corner as a disadvantage or or. Yeah, it's it's not a penalty anymore. No, it's not because so many teams like New England, where they run everything out of slot. I mean that it's gaining more and more of a value. So if you know, I had the same concerns with um oh his my just slipped my mind. Desmond King from Iowa a few years ago. I kept telling yeah. everybody. You know, he played outside at Iowa, and they're like, yeah, but he's a little small. Look at him. He has lit it up for two years for the Chargers. I think you're going to see if if they give him the opportunity and he lands in the right spot, Clifton Duck can be just as good. So being down there in the SEC, uh, do you have a favorable opinion of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson down in Florida? Well, since he's a Gator, I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> No, he's a good player, even though he is a Gator, like I mentioned. he's. I wonder, I don't think he has the complete overall game like Williams and Love and them does, but he's he, he'll be a solid corner. Yeah, it's a it's going to be an interesting class. What I'll are give you one on? name? He's, he's kind of lay, a long shot. Lay it on me. From James Madison, his name is Jimmy Moreland. Very good corner. He, he should land somewhere. Somebody will pick him up. 
Yeah, it looks like he's going to need to hit the training table as well. Coming yeah, he's a little wiry. 100, 175 pounds, 5'10". But, yeah. Now, some of those small school guys, <clears throat> that, you know, cornerback is one of those positions that if you can, if you've, A, got the speed, and B, have the willingness and the ability to learn the technique, you know, you, you can, it, that, being at a small school isn't quite the, the issue that it used to be. You know, these, no, these NFL teams are doing their work nowadays, and, mm-hmm. and they're really, really getting uh, getting guys from just about anywhere. And you can never so, have too many defensive backs, so I think they're no, scouring the earth for them right now. So let's take a little quick talk about the safeties. I, I did a mock draft a little while ago with some guys from the Fantasy Life app, and uh, one guy that I'd been hearing some good things about was Taylor Rapp. And it seemed like as soon as I selected him to Washington with the uh, uh, second pick in the first round, I think that Washington had, he uh, Twitter seemed to get immediately flooded with a bunch of four seven forty times for Taylor Rapp, and he's not athletic. Uh, any thoughts on Taylor Rapp as a, a safety? I think he, I've got him as my number two safety. Okay. Um, Thompson, I've got Hooker one. as my. Hooker, no, I've got a Hooker as my top. Yes. Nice. Yep. Um, <laughs> I get it with the speeds, you know, four seven whatever is not that great, but I don't put full stock into these combine numbers because, right. just like kids in school, some kids can't. They just don't test well. But you put them in the field doing whatever it is they're learning to do, and they their lights out. I think he's one of them. I think you put him on the field, he plays faster than four seven five. You know, some some kids just have game speed, and then some have combine testing speed, and then some just have both of it. And I, you know, I while four seven five doesn't look good when you go back and look at the tape, he held his own with some pretty fast players. So, uh, you know, while it could be better, I. I'm not putting a whole lot of concern into it. So at at four seven speed and two hundred and twelve pounds, do you think he'll be a strong safety as opposed to a free safety? Could be. Could uh, be. Teams, do teams even separate their safeties like that anymore? I think a few do. Um, I think teams like Arizona, uh, maybe the Chargers, you know, teams like that that use. Because they're using so many defensive backs, you know they're using five, six. Well, Chargers even use seven at time on the field. That's a lot of defensive backs to be on the field. So I think they're looking more for players that are interchangeable that can play either or. But there are some teams like like Tennessee. You know they've got Kenny Vaccaro. He's the strong safety. Kevin Byard's the free safety, and it just works out like that. <laughs> Not saying that either. That Byard couldn't play strong safety, but he's just better suited as a free safety. I think there is teams that still do that, but I think it's because of because of their personnel, not because of preference sometimes. So over under 2.5, how many defensive backs get drafted in the first round of the NFL draft? Over under 2.5. Is that in, are you including safeties in there as well? Or are you just talking about cornerbacks? Yep. Okay. Defensive back, safeties and corners. Take, I'm going to take the over. I think there's a good chance you might get three in there. <clears throat> Possibly four. Yeah, I, I knew knew that would be close. I, I think 
th- three and a half would have yeah, pushed, that's... I think, to the three. I think three is probably the number. Yeah, I think that's right. I, and depending on where they start coming off in the draft will be will be the big factor. If they start coming off early, I think you have a better chance to see more. But if it's real late when the first one comes off the board, then it, it may be under. But I'm going to stick with three. I think three is the number, so over. Right on. So moving on to defensive line. This is the last grouping of uh, our IDPs. It, it seems a horrible like, class for this group. It seems <laughs> like the, it's Ed Oliver and all those others. So you talked about Oliver being your guy. Tell I us what's going to make him great. I think Oliver's the best player in the draft, period. Period. There's wow. nothing this kid can't do. I, you know, I first caught notice when he was coming out of high school, and everybody's like, all these big power schools, Alabama, Notre Dame, you know, Clemson, what have you, wooing over him, and he chose Houston. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. And I just started following, and I'm telling you, he is a beast. He can play any position along the front of the line. Uh, he, We've seen what he did at his pro day. He lit it up. They even had him working as an outside linebacker, some teams did. So, I mean, his versatility to do whatever is off the charts. I'm, I've said it a lot here lately, especially with him, so people may know where I'm fixing to go with this. I'm not one that does a lot of player comps. I just, it's not been my thing. I don't really, one, it's kind of hard to evaluate and compare players like that. So I try not to label them or whatever. But for Ed Oliver, he reminds me of John Randall that used to play for the Vikings. That undersized, high motor, just get after you and just, oh, he's a beast. He's just, and that's what I see in Oliver. Yeah, I I haven't watched a ton of him, but he, he certainly looks like if, if he can keep the motor going all the time, he could be something special. He was a little banged up this year, which kind of hurt if you're looking at his numbers. His numbers were a little less than his junior year, but, man, when he was healthy and on the field, I mean, I've, I can't remember who the game was. They said he was playing at roughly 80% health, and he was still clearly better than every player on the field. I mean, it's just he's a monster. So with Oliver, real quick, um, everybody seems to be getting down on him, though. So, And you just said that he's your 1-1 of this entire class. Like, he, he's the best player in this class for you? Yes, yes. So what, what is it? I think there was some Go ahead. character – I don't want to say character issues. He had some issues with the coaching staff or whatever. I guess that happens. I just look at the tape. I try to – push out the noise unless there's just huge red flags i mean it was just small stuff so right I, he gets knocked for his size a little bit uh, you know just to me those are not if you can play you can play i don't care what size you are um i think most people will tell you that quinnon williams is the best defensive tackle on his draft and i could easily make that argument i can see that argument he is he he parlayed a huge year into what's fixing to be a huge payday for him. And he's deserved. Um, He is probably my second, right behind Oliver, he's probably my second best defensive player in this whole draft. I mean, he can do the – he has a lot of the same qualities, but he's so much bigger for a bigger guy like that. He's really fast, uh, really strong, understands how to use his hands, his feet, got some good counters. Um, 
the thing that's helping him, he's played against SEC competition, played against, you know, teams like Clemson in the playoffs and stuff like that. So his pedigree is a little more valid, I guess you would say, because of the competition level. But pure pound for pound, Oliver's the best player in the draft. So then looking at the draft, where do you think, who do you think decides to make Oliver the pick? Arizona, San Fran, the Jets, Oakland, Tampa, the Giants. Well, they'll be the first two. I think. I think when the Jets, uh, they're picking third, right? Yes. Yep. I think at three, you have to start looking <clears throat> for him and Williams. I think him and Williams are the first two off the board. Even though I think Oliver's the better player, I think Williams will get drafted ahead of him because I just don't know how teams are going to view Oliver's size and stuff like that. If they're looking at pure tape and what he can do, then I think he's the best player in the draft. But Williams may come off. I've heard the Jets have looked at both of them. I've heard the Raiders have looked at both of them. So you've got to start with those two at three and four. Um, If for some reason he slips, Buffalo, I think at nine, would be huge since they just lost Kyle Williams to retirement. That would be a nice landing spot for him. I think he could fit anywhere. It's just, you know, the Giants are not going to take him. Um, can't remember who's at seven and eight. I mean, when he was at his pro day, Mike Vrabel was working with him as an outside linebacker. So I know they have interest, but I, I expect he's long gone way before he gets into the teens. Okay. Yeah, you got Jacksonville at seven, Detroit at eight, Buffalo at yeah. nine. Yeah, I don't think Jacksonville takes him. Um, Detroit, I don't think they take him because they've took some defensive linemen. They got, uh, Trey Flowers as well. Um, Buffalo at nine. I think Buffalo at nine's a good chance if he makes it that far. I think that would be a good landing spot for him. That would be, so, you know, that, that's a team that's, they're trying to build and <clears throat> you know, yes. aside from what they're doing at running back, uh, which seems to be a hot mess. <laughs> uh, it is. Know, Putting Oliver in the middle of that defensive line with Edmonds behind him, that could be that could be a dynamic. Uh, yeah, and they've got they got the kid that drafted last year, uh, Harrison Phillips. Yep. So, <clears throat> I mean, they they've got some nice young pieces. Um, Jordan Poyer back there at safety and all that. So they've got. I think Buffalo may be the spot. Don't know that they'll take him, but I think that's as good a shot as any. I have heard the last. 24 to 36 hours that Oliver's starting to climb back up draft boards. Yeah, I heard some Oliver to the Jets talk. Yeah, it could be smoke screens. It could be whatever. Um, But I think teams are, as he mentioned, the the off-the-field issues or fussing with coaches or character issues, all that stuff. I think they're kind of squashing him now, so it's starting to move him back up the board, especially after his pro day. I mean, that was what really – Opened eyes for everybody. Uh, before we get your thoughts on the rest of this defensive line class, I want to ask real quick: How much is separated? But how separated is Bosa from Williams and Oliver for you? Ooh, good question. I think he's a little ways back. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I don't. Erroneous. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. Damn it, Hollywood. <laughs> well, well, I ask because... I, I don't like Bosa, because I, I do. I just... Right. Uh, man, that's, that's rough. I think, because I've got Josh Allen ahead of him. I've got... Uh, see, Montez Sweat, I have him ahead of him, but that heart issue, that's kind of... 
if that checks out, then I think Sweat's ahead of him still. So that's two. I think Oliver and Williams are both ahead of him. That's four. Uh, I think four is a, well, if you're looking at up front, I mean, of course, if you put Devin White and Devin Bush, they're both ahead of him. But along that line, I think those four, Alan Sweat, Oliver, Williams, I have those four ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I would almost put him come in the same tier as Christian Wilkins. Okay. I think that's where he belongs is in that tier. Cause I think Williams or Wilkins starts the next tier. Gotcha. Okay. Which is not bad. Cause Wilkins is right. A dominant player in himself. If Oliver and Quentin Williams is not here, then Wilkins is the best defensive tackle on the draft. Right. Yeah. I was just asking because like I said, it seems like besides if you were to take Kyler Murray out of this draft, it seems everybody is saying that Nick Bosa is the consensus one, one. So I was just interested to see with you talking about how much you liked Williams and Oliver, how, how far Bosa is down for you compared to again, that, because it seems like Williams is getting some mention with Bosa, but it really seems like Bosa is the guy for this draft class and Williams and, uh, uh, my goodness, Oliver are not getting quite that much talk. So I was just curious to see how he was. He was the difference was for you. I mean, everybody's different. Yeah, and I don't know that there's a huge difference, but I've got those four because I think, especially with Allen and Sweat, I think they're more complete players as far as edge rushers. They can drop in coverage. They can rush the passer. They can play the four three three four. I don't know that you're wanting Bosa in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker. Not saying he can't do it, but I think he's more suited for the Mm 4-3. I kind of, in a way, compare him to Clay Matthews for the Packers a little bit. You know, Matthews is not one that you wanted out in coverage, but he he was capable of doing it and did it fairly well. What they had him doing was just teeing off on the quarterback, and I think that's what you're going to see with Bosa. All right, so besides Oliver, obviously, which we've done uh, a lot of talking on him now, are there any other defensive uh, <laughs> linemen in this class that you are really – or defensive tackles that you are really in on? It's a, it's good for fantasy owners, this class is, if uh-huh. you're looking at defense, especially if you play in position-specific leagues that require you to start big tackles. This is your draft class. And it's a great class for the NFL, too. It's not good for all these prospects because there's so many good ones coming out. I mean, this – this position is as deep and as talented as I've seen it in quite some time. I mean, you've got Oliver, you've got Williams, you've got the four boys from Clemson, Wilkins, Lawrence. Uh, oh, slipping my mind. What's his name? Um, I, was, I was just looking at Cleland um, Cleland Farrell. Austin Bryant. Yeah, Cleland yeah. Farrell, Austin Bryant. So you got all four of those. Jeffrey Simmons, who's hurt and probably going to miss the year from what I'm – Understanding he's going to miss this whole upcoming season, but he's he's probably a, a first round talent easily. Um, I know some of my colleagues really like Dalen Mack out of Texas A and M. Kalen Sanders, the the uh, small school from Western Illinois, he's coming up. Um, you've got Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. I think he's slipped down draft boards a little bit, but there's while it's heavy at the top. You can get a lot of good, solid players at this position. Terry Beckner of Missouri, uh, Rennell Wren of Arizona State. Um, you've got Gerald Willis, who I really I think is one of the better defensive tackles in this class from Miami. 
Um, I know Charles Manahue from Texas is one. Corbin Cafusi from BYU is one. Isaiah Bugs of Alabama. Draymond Jones of Ohio State. A lot of people like him. I actually have him ninth or tenth, I think, on my list among defensive uh, defensive tackles. So it's a huge. It's so deep at this class, which is good for everybody else because on defense, while your linebackers, your safeties, and all that, they're cleaning up everything. It all starts right there in the middle, up front. If you can get if you can get constant and consistent pass rush from the interior, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, and if you play in a league that gives you three or four points for a defensive tackle tackle. Oh, yes. yeah, That, that balances like I, that shit right like out. I, oh, yeah. Like I said, if you're in a league that – and most of my leagues are like that. They require you to start defensive tackles. It's not just that generic or general D-line designation. Right. And some of my leagues, you're required to start at least two defensive tackles. So, I mean, getting production from that spot is huge, and I think this class will have a lot. There'll be a lot of these kids in this class that'll be around for a while. If you had to stake your entire reputation on one player out of any of – we'll just go any of the IDPs. Uh, let's take out Oliver, Quinn and Williams, Nick Bosa – uh, White and Bush, because I know those are some of the guys that you're the highest on. I, I know you're not that high on Bosa, but I, just because he's near the top of this class. So take those guys out. If you had to stake your entire reputation on one player being a pro bowler for years to come besides those guys, who would it be for you? Did we take out Allen? Yeah, let's take out Allen, too, since he's at the top. And uh, Winovich okay. as well, because I know he's at the top for you, so we'll take him out as well. Ooh, that's a good question. Rashawn Kerr. That's probably where I would go. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I do. I'm really, I just, they say, well, he played for an NFL coach. That's true, but I think he was just kind of misused. He was hurt a little bit last year, which hurt him. I think you plug him in the right system. I've heard, you know, like Oakland, plugging him in next to Maurice Hurst and Arden Key. Man, that's, I think you plug him in somewhere, he's going to do well. I don't have any uh, concerns with him. Is he equally good against the run and the pass? I think so. He is so quick off the snap. I mean, he is just – I watched him play a few games this year, and it was just the the instantaneous pressure that he puts on offenses as soon as the ball snapped. Now, he may not get there, but just that initial burst and – quickness off the snap that he's got offensive linemen reeling or he's already pushed them back in the in backfield he makes a big difference and i think he's i don't know that you want him kicked down as a defensive tackle i think you'd want him more as an edge you know that four or three defensive end where he can set the edge I, I don't have any problem with him there but yeah i think he can he can stop the run just as good yeah i think he's somebody that play him at defensive end he's a player that I was going to say, play him at defensive end, and then on those obvious passing downs, when it's you know third and 16, mm-hmm. move him down into tackle and let him rush from the interior yes. and bring in you know one of those Bruce Irvin types that just rush the passer. Completely agree. Yep, I completely agree. He is one of the more polarizing players in this draft, depending on who you talk to. I think he's one of those you either love him or you hate him. Well... As an Ohio State fan, I'm going to hate him until the Browns draft him. Did I just hear you say you said you loved him? Is that what I heard? Nope, that's not what I said <laughs> at all. 
Who do you think is going to get picked uh, in the first round uh, that you that you think is going to be a bust? Nick Bosa. No, I don't think Bosa's going to oh, be just, a bust. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, the higher you, any player gets picked, the more chance they have of being a bust just because of the pressure and the money and all that. Uh, and usually the higher you get picked, you know, you're, the odds are you're playing for a pretty poor team. Uh, it's, you know, that's common knowledge. Um, one player that would get into the first round, I'm trying to think. I know I'm going to take a lot of heat on this, and he's probably going first round, and I would just about guarantee he does. I'm going to say Brian Burns. Why? I just don't think he's as, you know, I, while I said Bosa, it's not I don't think Bosa can't stop the run. I just think he kind of doesn't look at it like he should. Burns, I don't know that he's going to be able to really – I know you can add weight and all this and bulk up, but he is – he's such a – to me, he's that tr- true situational pass rusher. You he's know, a Deion Jordan kind of build. Yes. Yeah, he is. Uh, he has good bend, really good quickness, you know, all that, but I don't think he's the complete edge or – outside defensive end slash however you want to say it. I just I think he's a situational guy. He's gonna have one one purpose and that's you know, that's where it's gonna be. I don't think yeah, you're that, wanting him to set the edge. I don't think you're wanting him to to shut down the run. Now if you get that great, but I think you're when he's on the field you're bringing him in to get after the quarterback. To call back from our last show, Matt, I, I think what Hollywood is saying is even Jay Sternberger could block <laughs> Brian Burns. It's all right. He doesn't need to block. Hey, they, He's a phenomenal offensive weapon, and that's all that matters. Hey, there's a lot of people like Burns. I just – and I could be wrong because I've said it a million times. If any of them have followed – any of you followed me, you know. I was not a big Harold Landry fan. Was not. I was just afraid of the injuries, and I just didn't know how he was. I just didn't see it, you know. I mean, I was watching the tape, and he was good and all, but I just didn't think it was going to correlate to the NFL, and I, I was completely wrong on him. So maybe I am Burns, too. But as of right now, he's he's my one who I would pick the best. And that's all right. Even even if you are wrong, you cannot be as wrong as I was about Ronald Jones. So you, you don't have to worry about being that wrong. I can promise you that. <laughs> so what do you think? So if you had to pick somebody that's going to go, let's say, late day two, day three, you think that should be considered for the first round, maybe even beginning of the second round, what defensive player do you think is kind of just being overlooked that, uh, is somebody that should be taken higher? Some good questions. Um, I don't know if he's quite a first-round talent, but I'll give you a couple that I think they should be drafted higher than what they will get drafted. Um, Port Augustine of USC, um, I think injuries are going to kill his draft stock. But, man, he is a pass-rushing nightmare. Um I actually have him at number eight on my board um, and would probably push him a little higher if it wasn't for the injury. So, I mean, when he's healthy and on the field, he's probably as good as anybody as a pass rusher. Uh, he's He would be good. I like Zach Allen of Boston College. I actually have him just ahead of Gustin at seven. Um, 
I have been doing a personal scoring uh, setup that I've been working on. Uh, it's not quite complete, but I have been giving away some tidbits. They was, I think I'm 150 prospects into it right now for this year. And I have one, two, three, four. They were six players on IDP side that had an explosion play score of over two. Ed Oliver. Uh, let's see, where did we go? Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, Zach Allen, or I'm sorry, Sutton Smith, Montez Sweat, and Brian Burns. So I like Sutton Smith, too. He's another one. I think those three, Zach Allen, Sutton Smith, and Porter Gustin, I think those three should go higher than what they do. So if we're we're in a draft, we have our offensive players and our IDPs, and let's say it's a standard IDP, one point per tackle, half point per assist. Uh, how high should we be in what round of a five-round rookie draft should we start looking at drafting defensive players? Mm. See, I think this league, <laughs> that really depends because I have – a personal league that I run, really good owners. They're really into the – they don't play Devy, but they watch a lot of college, so they know what's coming up. They're really into it. It is not uncommon. I think we have 12 teams. In, uh, yes, we do have 12. There's 12 owners, and it's not uncommon for half of the first round to be defensive players in the rookie draft. Wow. It's not uncommon at all. A lot of leagues are still, while they're IDP, they still favor the offense heavily. And I think most of your leagues tend to draft that way. And I, reasonably so. I mean, I can understand why because of the touchdowns and all that. Um, it's kind of hard to predict what a player's going to I think, you know, if anybody knew that Darius Leonard was going to be what he was going to be, he would have easily been a first-round rookie last year. Um, I think in our league, he went, we do eight rounds. I think he actually was picked up seventh or eighth round somewhere. Um, a lot of it's going to determine on where they land, of course. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with how your league scores. You know, are you heavy sacks, heavy interceptions? In your case, one point, you said one point per tackle, half point per assist. I think if you're looking, I think your first two players off the board are probably White and Bush. And depending on team needs, i Late second, early third, I think you start looking in there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're always going to have these leagues where somebody just jumps the gun because, and that's that's one of the things with this class with White and Bush. Most people could agree 95% say they're one and two. So are you going to wait till one falls and try to take the other? Or are you going to, or do you have, are you of the mindset, well, if I don't jump the gun just a little bit, I'm not going to get either one. So, you kind of got to look at it that way, too. Yeah, I know. It kind of fell that way last year with Edmonds and Roquan Smith. Right. Um, I know in a lot of drafts, uh, Roquan was going early, and then if you didn't get Edmonds within the next eight or ten picks, you didn't get him. Right. And I think that's how these two are kind of going to go. I don't think it's a question of which one goes first or second. I just I think it's going to be when they go. Look at the, I would start looking at the second or third, but I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody jump the gun and take them earlier. All right, so last question before we start wrapping up. Clemson's defensive line is heading for the NFL. Could potentially be <laughs> yeah. four first-round picks. 
Yep. What do you think the chances are that all four of those rookies are starting for NFL teams uh, week one of next season? Chances of all four. Wilkins definitely starts, I think. Farrell uh, definitely, I think, starts. I've seen him kind of mocked in the range of the Titans area. I've actually seen him mocked there. Um, so if he lands on a team like that, he's definitely starting. Um, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Bryant. I think Lawrence probably starts. I think Bryant might be your one. He's the one I would question. I think he's four out of the four. So depending on where he lands, maybe he starts, maybe he doesn't. That's I'm, I think three definitely do. And I think Bryant's the one that I would kind of. So with that, I would say there's probably a, I don't know, I'm going to say 70% chance that all four start. Okay. Because I think they're, they're all, like you said, that's a, I don't think you'll ever see a defensive line like that again. Not together that long anyway. They are just dominant. And they also had contrasting styles, so they kind of played well together, complemented each other, which was the, the weird thing in a way. So is Lawrence, is he going to be more of a 3-4 nose tackle, or is he going to end up playing 4-3 D tackle? He's at 340 pounds. He's kind of Vince Wilfork-ish. Yeah, he's, he's got size, so there's a good chance he could be that nose in a 3-4. But I think with all four of these guys, they have versatility. They've all four played up and down that line, so that's going to help all four of them. You know, while he may go to 3-4 and be a nose, you know, he can kick out to the end or whatever and be just as effective. So I think those type of players NFL teams love because they can do so many things. They're not pigeonholed or tied to one specific spot. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate getting all of your insight on all these IDP players and everything. Obviously, uh, you brought a lot more uh, knowledge and information on these guys than I think me and Dennis could have done. So we really do appreciate you joining us. Uh, let all of our listeners know again where they can find you on Twitter, uh, about your podcast, and if you have any uh, articles coming up where we where they can read those at. Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Glad to come back anytime. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hollywood at DFF underscore DWIN. Uh, we have a podcast with my co-host at Seahawks Dan. It's called the IDP Edge Crushers. You can find it about on any format, you know, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, United Stitcher, you name it. We're pretty easy to find. Uh, I have a Facebook page called IDP Nation that I'm putting stuff on. Um, Reddit, if any of y'all do Reddit, I'm King Titan One. I get a ton of stuff on Reddit. Uh, so feel free to uh, check that out in the IDP sub. Uh, and then I write for Dicey Football Factory. And I actually have an article that dropped today. Uh, second year Canada uh, must owns for 2019. So it came out today. So be sure to check it out. And, and then, like I said, you can follow us about anywhere. <laughs> We're a little bit everywhere right now. Right on. Well, and uh, I'm Dennis. You can find me at culture underscore coach on Twitter, uh, alongside my fabulous co-host, Matt Bruning, sports fanatic MB, uh, uh, on the Twitter machine, uh, fantasy football roundtable. And I write for dynastynerds.com. 
had an article out today, Ideal Landing Spots for Tight Ends, getting a little Foster Moreau pushback on it. That's been cool. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of that on there today. Well, again, I appreciate both you guys so much for joining us. Daryl, thank you so much for joining me and Dennis to talk about some IDPs, and we would love to have you back. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we can probably try and set something up that way after the, the draft and all these guys land. We can get a little bit more insight on you before everybody starts doing their rookie drafts on your thoughts on these guys. And I hope you guys have a great week and have a great draft experience, and we will talk again soon. Right on. Sounds good. Prepare for glory! Make a play.